So it's 6.30. It is time for Tech Talk Taco Tuesday number two, live from Ramiro's in Pahrump, Nevada. This is the show where we have no bumper music, no co-host, or at least not right now. Uh, not a sponsor to speak of. Not a sponsor in sight. Jimmy Lewis here. I'm with the Dirt Bike Test, and this is the future as uh, far as we're concerned. So this is where we sort of take a discussion, um, generally something that we've tested, we post it on the website, um, something uh, that'll kind of give us a direction, and then we start going down the rabbit hole that is uh, live user-generated questions. Uh, last week we talked about the Honda CR450X, the new 2019 bike, um, and kind of broke that one down, uh, spoke a little bit about the review we did. And this week we're going to talk about the KTM 1090 Adventure R bike build that I did. Um, it is um, a 2000 and is it an 18, 2017 or 2018 KTM 1090? I don't know. They're the same. And I've had it for uh, the better part of a year. And stock, the bike's really good. But like any bike, you want to personalize and make it your own. And I've done that. Uh, luckily, I have access to quite a bit of different products and opportunities, things to um, test, try, decide whether I like it. And I'm going to, before we kind of get into that, I'm going to kind of explain my kind of thoughts on testing processes and stuff like that. Uh, from the very first time um, I had the opportunity to actually test for a magazine, um, this was way back in... Uh, 1986, I believe. We were riding the brand new 87 uh, 125 motocross bikes. And I thought that that was bike testing, which was go out, ride around a couple turns, they take pictures of you, and then you say, yeah, I like this one. <laughs> and quickly I learned that I wanted to be better than that. And over the course of getting to ride brand new bikes and going out with manufacturers and having them make sure that that bike suits you, especially when it's a stock bike, they want to, you know, try every clicker setting or make sure that the ride height is correct. Um, being very particular about things, uh, you know, making sure back then the jetting was good. And a lot of times those bikes didn't come exactly uh, as tuned as the bikes these days do. So I, I learned over the course of year what like testing was. And then as I got more familiar, some of those guys, I actually did some development testing. Um, actually started out as durability testing. They just needed warm bodies to go and thrash bikes and slowly I got wrapped up into doing some development testing. And that led me to really learn how, you know, making changes uh, affects the bikes. We, um, then when I started doing more magazine testing, uh, I took it a lot more serious. It was more than just doing a photo shoot and having someone feed you some donuts and, and uh, riding the bike. Uh, a little bit longer than just the 20 or 30 minutes that most test riders do at the introductions. We would actually take them, test them, make sure that they worked in a variety of conditions, tracks. Um, and then if you don't like something, how do you fix or correct that problem? And what modifications could you do to make that bike better for you? Because when you think about it, what a manufacturer does when they release a bike and I'll bring this back to the K to KTM 1090 in a minute, is they're trying to make this bike work for everybody. They want that one bike has to fit such a wide range of guys. And although everybody thinks they're 
an expert level and they're going to do all the stuff that they see the guys in the brochures or their favorite racers doing. In reality, they're probably not doing that kind of stuff. So we uh, take that in consideration when we test stuff and you say, okay, I want to figure out how to make this bike um, fit the widest range of riders when we're testing it. See you, Doug. Um, and then kind of explain what the bike is. And just because I like a bike doesn't mean that it's the best bike for you or you or you. Um, that means it's a good bike for me. And my job as a, as a, as a test rider, and especially an editorial you know, journalist type test rider, is to explain how that bike works so you, when you're riding it, can, or when you don't have the chance to ride it, you're kind of living a little bit vicariously through us. When you have that, you know, experience or you feel like you've ridden that bike, you say, yeah, that bike kind of fits um, me and my needs. So I'm going to move something over here on my computer so we don't get any feedback. And, and now we're going. Okay. So... Um, back on in my KTM 1090, we did two videos. Uh, they're up on dirtbiketest.com right now. Uh, pretty easy to find. Uh, they're basically KTM 1090 Adventure R builds. One is a very short version where I just rip through the different products that I put on the bike. And then the second one is a lot longer and a lot more detailed. And of course, when you're doing this, we are trying to do it in a single take or cut um, just to run through and talk about it. And after editing it and looking at it, I realized it left a lot of stuff out, which is pretty normal for me. <laughs> so, um, you know, I hit my head a lot when I was racing. So uh, that means con 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 concussions. Yeah, something like that. So uh, a couple of the good questions that we got during the week. Uh, one, of course, was, Jimmy, what tire pressure do you run? Um, on the Kenda Big Blocks, I run 27 front and rear all the time, every day, period. I don't change it. I don't switch it. That's the pressure I've come to like, and that's a very off-road biased pressure. If I were doing a lot more roads, I would run it a little bit higher because it makes the tires a little more stable when you're going around the turns. But for me, uh, 27 offers the best amount of bump compliance off-road, and then it still has a, a, a really good um, you know, amount of grip and then flat protection. Um, from getting smashed, and I do run tubes in those wheels. Uh, I usually don't have any problems with the tubeless system that KTM has, but if you unfortunately smash uh, something that you don't want to and bend the rim, you can be in a world of hurt, and I'm always carrying a spare tube anyways. You could probably fix it, but I just found it's easier for me to run tubes than not have to worry about the tire pressure sensors and the tire coming off the bead. So. That is uh, one of the questions. Uh, the other question was, um, uh, was some questions about the flex handlebars. Uh, I run the, f uh, the flex handlebars in a 14-degree bend, and someone got back to me and said that they don't offer a 14-degree bend uh, for the adventure bike. Well, I don't run an adventure bike handlebar. I run, a, actually, it's called an it's a standard enduro bend, or depending on the triple clamp I'm running, I run the enduro low bend at a 14 degree sweep. So um, the good thing about handlebars in general is there's tons of different bends. I mean, if you've ever seen, if you've looked at um, some of the charts, it's almost like gearing, you know, there's a hundred different options you can do. So the sweep, you know, the height uh, on the flex bars, you can actually adjust some of the height. 
uh, on the bar, and then even the sweep changes as you rotate the bars in the clamp. So, um, and it's a very personal thing. Just because I run 14 doesn't mean that you would want to run 14. Uh, I run 14 on my adventure bikes. I run a 12 degree sweep on pretty much everything else. And then on my BMW, I ran a 15 degree sweep. And I think this, like the stock bend on the KTM might be more near 15, I'm not sure. Um, and I know on the BMW, it's almost like 16. It's really swept back, but they also roll those handlebars kind of in an awkward um, position in the clamps. So um, handlebars are a super personal thing. It's an easy thing to tune and change. Um, I run the flex bars mostly uh, because my wrists are kind of junk. And when my wrists... Uh, take impacts all day from a stiff handlebar I feel it and then I don't feel like riding the next day and I don't want to do that so um, all you have to do is walk up to a bike with a flex handlebar and just do a hammer drop with your hand fist just go kunk, like this on the handlebar and then walk to a regular bike and do that and then you think every time my front wheel hits a bump that's the uh, feeling I'm going to get and you know everybody said they were for old guys and I wasn't an old guy when I started running them but now maybe I'm an old guy and I love them uh, every day of the week they're almost in every single one of my personal bikes uh that's a a glowing endorsement uh i know uh but um i'll everything that they do i i enjoy so happy with the uh those bars so i'm going to uh start rolling down some of the other things here um let's see uh we talked about the uh the tires and the tire pressure and another one um was uh, asking about um, the tires wearing on the bike. Uh, I, I kind of say basically I can get about 3,000 miles out of, a, out of the rear tire and usually double that. I'd say 3,000 on the rear, 5,000 on the front would be just some ballpark figures. And it really depends on how rough I am on the throttle. And that's kind of consistent with all the tires. Maybe the Michelin gets a little bit better. Um, durability uh the anarchy wild three and then the continental tires about the same it's it's literally the same as the kenda for most riders when you start and you start picking apart uh the the little niceties and we talk about that in the video and then um another question was about me uh going to smaller diameter rims and why would i do that well number one the smaller diameter rims are lighter and that's rotational spinning mass unsprung weight and if you really want to change the handling of your motorcycle, take weight off of the unsprung stuff. Uh, it, it definitely changes the character of the bike and it makes them feel lighter. Um, the less weight you have spinning and the less weight you have bouncing up and down in the suspension, it really gives the bike a lighter sensation. Um, so that's the biggest thing. It actually makes the bike feel quite a bit lighter. It also wraps the tires a little bit different so they're not so spread out and wide. And since they get a little bit more cupped, I guess you could say, they don't have as big of a footprint and it makes the bike handle lighter even more. Um, so I've tried the stock width and I've actually even, I even had a, a rim that was laced up to the a standard motocross size. And I want to say that that's, um, I'm gonna have to remember, it's two, two and a, 2.15 I think is what it currently is on the, on the adventure. Maybe it's two and a half. I, I should remember these numbers. But it's basically about a half inch down from standard, and I went down about another quarter inch on the smaller rim, and I didn't like that. That folded the, the tire up 
you know, too much and it just didn't have a big enough footprint so that the rim I'm running is a little bit wider or it's kind of like the widest one you would run on a normal dirt bike and it gives the bike a much more active, lively feel and makes it feel like the tire bites in a little bit better initially. Maybe on sand it doesn't float as much as the the widespread one, but then I'm not really too worried about that because I'm not sinking uh, in the sand. And then the rear, same thing. Uh, it just gives the bike kind of a more responsive responsive feel. And I still have the wide rims on my 1190. They work better on the street. There's no doubt about it that they're a much better um, size for the street. And that's why they're, they come stock on the bike because the bike is probably for most riders gonna be ridden 50% or more on the street. I'm just a little bit different. So that is um, kind of the, uh, the rundown on, on the stuff that we were asking about uh, for, from the, the 1090 build. Um, I'm gonna kind of look at, see what we're starting to see as far as uh, questions go on the forum. I'm not sure if there is anything right now. Let's see. I got a wave, somebody waved at me. Um, a couple people said they can hear me. That's uh, always a good thing. And if it drops, um, which I noticed it right now, it's dropping. <laughs> if it drops, uh, Mitch was gonna go open the door and uh, put something in there and we'll see if we can get a little bit better connection. And when we uh, edit this down and we'll throw it up on YouTube and then you can have the full un uh, undropping version because we pull it off the card that comes out of the the video camera and uh, we're all set. So, um, yes, San Felipe Bob, we know your 2005 WR450 is the perfect bike uh, for you. I totally disagree. If you would just give yourself a KTM chance, uh, KTM 500, and <laughs> this is going to lead me into my other <laughs> my other uh, uh, thing I'm going to complain about. Uh, oh, but Bob, you will be happy because tomorrow. Guess what we're doing tomorrow. I am riding the 2019 Yamaha WR450F. So, yeah, eat my shorts, buddy. <laughs> that's uh, how many years? The 2010, uh, that's, uh, I, I'm bad at math, too. Um, it's a lot more years. But so one of the questions I get uh, from a lot of people is, it's kind of, it, I'll paraphrase, it's, Jimmy, what do you really think? And... What do I really think is exactly what we write when we write tests on the website, when I make uh, you know, comments and opinions on bike tests. That's what I really think. I don't sugarcoat it. I don't um, write it any different. That is how I think. So it's, it kinda, it's funny because I will get emails that'll say, hey, Jimmy, what do you really think about this? And, and today I got a call from somebody and they called me through my riding school line, which is even worse. <laughs> and uh, they're like, hey, Jimmy, you know, I'm thinking about getting a new bike, and, and uh, I, I want to know what you really think. And I'm like, about what? And he's like, well, I have, you know, this bike, and I have one of these, and I, and I had this. And, and he's kind of going through his history, and he's asking me to sort of recommend a bike. And I don't, you know, everybody's different. And he thought I was going to give him some special nugget of knowledge. And I was like, well you know, I do this thing called dirt bike test. And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, I, I read the stuff there. And I'm like, okay. Um, and he was kind of going down sort of, I'm an adventure bike rider now. I used to race dirt bikes and, I, and now I'm an adventure bike rider and I really want to know about something. I'm coming off of this bike and then I'm going to go and, and 
he was sort of barking down maybe, uh, you know, KTM 1090, possibly KTM 790 Adventure Road, okay? And I think I just said, uh, just just get a KTM 790. I mean, they're they're not out or anything, but you're probably not going to go wrong with that. And he's like, you could tell he's like, well, you're just saying that because you're like a KTM guy. And I'm like, no, I'm saying that because I, if it's like I'm, I'm throwing a net and I want to catch as many people. And so when somebody comes up to me and they say, hey, I want to get a dirt bike, I just go, just get a KTM 500. And with, I don't know, let's say 75% certainty, Bob, you included, uh, that would be a good bike for you. It's, it's a really good bike. And whether it's a brand new one or it's a three or four year old one, that's a really good bike. And then people go, but, but, and, and, but, you know, I only like, I only like Hondas. I'm like, then get a Sierra 450, Mitch. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so sometimes I think sometimes they want an argument and then, and then they think I have some special nugget of knowledge that I'm, I'm hiding or I'm not, I'm not telling them. So I, I don't know. <laughs> it's it's kind of uh, it's confusing me when I get those kind of questions. It's like that I'm not going to tell you. So here's the thing: if you want to ask me a question, don't call me <laughs> when I'm trying to do something else. Usually trying to go riding. That's what we set these times up for. That's what this whole thing is. This live interaction. We're able to talk about this thing. Then I can answer your question, and I'm prepped and ready to answer the question. You're not doing it while I'm trying to figure out how to code internet websites like dirt bike test which is not my job and i wish i had somebody that was good at doing that so last week i asked for test riders um this week i'm looking for someone who is good with the uh with the internets and website building and uh basically website tuning and development so if you're like i am with motorcycles with the internets um we should talk yeah so that's the uh, uh shout out this week and if you want to be a test rider go ahead send me an email so I, I had, uh, what, four this week? Four people sent me, said, oh, yeah, I want to be that night. Now I'm ranting. So you want to be a test rider? Guess what? That means you come and ride brand new dirt bikes. They give you brand new gear. We shoot, run around and shoot photos of you. We feed you. You don't even have to wash the bikes. It's not even your guests. That's what being a test rider is. And you really should send me an email so you can, you can do that. That was all just a load. Not at dirt bike test. That's if you you're, if you're one of the buddies of one of the other guys at one of the other so-called testing outlets. That might be your job description, but not at dirt rider. Dirt bike test. Dirt rider. It was at, it was like that at dirt rider when I was there. We fired more test riders than <laughs> I can shake a stick at, because that's what they thought it was. They thought it was just all the the fanfare. No, when you're doing stuff for us, you're testing stuff. Kind of like I talked about earlier. You'd better know what turning the suspension clicker does. You're going to be spending all day on the motorcycle, making sure that it works. And if you don't like it, you're going to ride it even more. If you get if a bike's perfect, you're not going to ride it very much because you're going to go ride something else. You have to tune and test and work on. So when we do the test, we can accurately describe it. And if we're going to complain about something, we're going to tell you how to fix it too, or at least do our best to. So that's the uh, that's uh, I'm done ranting. I'm going to have a sip of beer. Because I think I think I'm dropping out. I keep on seeing lights flashing on stuff. I'm not really sure why. Who's using the internet? So, you know what? The slot machines are probably downloading their winnings. <laughs> my, uh, as as people are paying my taxes. 
Hmm. I'd like to uh, give it up to Ramiro's, our uh, our host here for tonight. If you're ever in Prump, Nevada, on a on a Taco Tuesday, or a Taco Thursday, or even a Wednesday, come on down to uh, Ramiro's. Come in the bar, say hi to Janie. Um, join the Tequila Club. Um, in 194 tequilas now, you can catch up to me. You can try to beat me for that plaque. I'm going to get on the back of one of these bar stools here pretty soon because I wanted to do something with my life. Yeah, before Suzanne, who my tequila nemesis may actually show up tonight to just to dethrone me or at least knock me out of the first position. Um, it's not a race. It's a it's a uh, it's a it's a lifestyle. It's a taste testing experience, kind of like uh, it's a new experience, like Taco Tuesday. Wow. A bunch of stuff just shot out of the feed, like happy faces and things like that. That must mean people are looking. 11 people well uh, maybe it's the internets are slow here i'm not really sure why where's the so which end is the is the comments coming out on here let's see uh you hate mariachi music cameron yep uh this guy right back here is gonna do a solo later i think this this week we're gonna get him to play yeah somebody didn't like him last time um, and, and I lost the connection with my, my Mevo thing. That's why the lights were going off. Hopefully it's still, still tuned up. Hey, Janie, can I get my three tacos? Trace, three, yeah, three, please. Thank you. It is my dinner time. I, I do interrupt my dinner time so I can, I can be with all you guys on the, uh, on the internets here. And uh, so the next question on my 1090 was, why the heck are you still running the stock pipes with the catalytic converter on it? <laughs> okay, that is a question I get all the time. Probably the number one modification people do to their bikes, any kind of bike, it seems like putting an exhaust system on it. And I will agree that they do run hot. They are heavy. They have cats on them. But especially on the adventure bike uh, market, I have not ridden a nice, quiet, good-performing exhaust. Because when you change that, when you uncork that, those things have so much power and there's so much throttle response, they get too snappy. And it has a ton of power, and it spins the wheel all the time, and I can't control it. Because I want to ride technical stuff. I want to do things where I'm going to need really good traction. And when my wrist is not connected to the rear wheel, which is what happens most of the time when you take the stock muffler off and put something else on, um, I've actually tried different things, and almost every time I go back to stock, on especially even on some of the uh, dirt bikes that I have. So my KTM 500s, I'm generally running stock mufflers on the 500s. The 350, I do have an FMFQ on the back of it. Uh, my 500s, I'm running the FMF Mega Bomb with the stock muffler on the back. So that's the uh, that's my thing on why I'm running that. I would love to drop 10 pounds off the back of the the 1090. I love to drop 10 pounds off the back of any bike. Um, on the Honda, for sure, that's a that's a, a big plus. So um, that's my uh, take on it. When someone makes a really good, lightweight, um, quiet uh, pipe, let me know. Send it my way. Love to test it. And then uh, it's talking about putting out so much heat. Well, luckily, the pipe is down low and behind you. It does keep a little bit of heat inside of the motor. Um, those motors do kind of run hot. 
the 1090 does have some shielding. The 1090 and 1290, they put a little bit of shielding on compared to the 1190. That was a huge improvement, just that little bit of shielding. Um, and I'm uh, most of the time, especially this time of year, I love that heat. <laughs> that heat's nice between your legs. In the middle of the summer, no, not so much. So um, it would help if it ran a little bit cooler, but it has a cooling fan. It seems like it does okay. And so the next, uh, the next thing is I kind of talked about the, uh, the wheels a little bit earlier. And, okay, I'm going to skip this question, hold it for later, and check some other thing. I got a question from the field here. Mitch? Does the stock exhaust increase the torque because of the restriction? Not, not necessarily. It seems like... Um, um, it, it's different on every, on every bike, but I think what it does is it just doesn't allow it to rev up so quick. You know, it's like, it's, it has to kind of pump the exhaust out. It's, it, it just makes, it just makes the throttle a little less responsive and it probably doesn't work as good on a dyno. The stock exhaust probably doesn't put out dyno numbers. And unfortunately that's what a lot of people make their decision on. It's like, I want more power. And if I want more power, I just turn the throttle farther. It's that simple. Um, you know, most bikes, when you're riding the bike wide open or at peak power, at peak RPM all the time, then maybe you should think about an exhaust. But if, in my world, if there's more throttle, then you can turn that and you don't have to do anything. So that's my uh, take. Here we go. Uh, back to the questions. One time, which bike would work? Uh, let's see. <laughs> yeah, I told him KTM 500. He didn't listen. Um, George wants to know if I've ever tried the Recluse on a big bike. So it's funny. That was the question I just kind of crossed off. That's a, I was going to get to that one, uh, the Recluse question. I'm going to get to that one. Where are the tacos? I want to see them first. Well, I have my chips and salsa right here. It's, uh, it's just out of, out of frame. No, it's in frame. You can see it. But I don't want to chew it because it's crunchy, and I talk with my mouth open, and it's it's pathetic. So um, <clears throat> we'll go there. Uh, drop 10 pounds. Easier to drop 11 pounds off the rider. Yep, that's true. Yeah, any, yep. Uh, I've been doing my sit-ups, but I've been uh, not losing the weight. That's probably because of this. Yeah, maybe this right here is the problem. Cheers. Hmm. Notice it is light beer. Um, let's see, Cameron asks, how about adventure bike tire pressures in the dirt? Um, what should we run? I think I hit that earlier. Um, you'll have to, <laughs> you'll have to go back and watch it. I run 27 front and rear all the time on the adventure bikes. When I get down and start riding the 650 size bikes, I run usually somewhere in the neighborhood of 18 and on all my small dirt bikes, I run 12. But again, I try not to hit rocks and bounce into things and break things. I try to ride around them. So, um, and uh, let's see, Jeremy is excited for the new Honda 450X. And I am going to talk about that uh, in a few minutes also, kind of wrap up some of the questions we had on that. But I will get into the recluse on the bigger bikes. So if you've paid attention to me and the stuff that we do, you know that I'm a big fan of the recluse. I spend a lot of time uh, testing uh, their stuff. We, we're doing a whole bunch of it right now on the Honda 450X. And the things that you need to know is just like anything, there's pluses and minuses. And so the pluses are basically when it's set up properly, it does everything that you would be doing with these two fingers. 
you know, as far as clutching goes, it's going to do everything that you need to do for you. And when you come start coming to a stop, it's going to disengage. And when you want pop, if you know how to twist the throttle properly, it's going to give you as much snap as you could get, you know, using your two fingers. They're really, really good. They've become so much more advanced um, over the past few years. They're just getting better at figuring out, you know, the the way to send those wedges into the into the disc and, and expand the clutch pack. So, like I said, I'm a big fan. I like. I like the recluse. The disadvantages are if it's improperly set up, um, if you don't set it up right and don't follow the instructions, it's going to be improperly set up. And then if you don't know how you want it tuned, and we have an article on Dirt Bike Test that tells you how to tune a recluse clutch and kind of gives you the different things to do to get different feels out of it, that's using different springs and different wedges inside of the clutch disc, the EXP disc. If you don't do that, you might not have the performing clutch that you want so you kind of have to know how um, what you're looking for do you want more bite do you want a little bit of drag so that it doesn't completely freewheel when you lock the rear wheel up there's always a little bit of drag on it there's lots of uh, things that you can change in that setting and then then you should be really happy with it but here's the here's the caveat when that bike stalls when the bike is not running um that bike is like is neutral, so it's going to want to roll backwards on you. So if you're riding up an uphill and you stall, that bike is going to go backwards if you don't get the rear brake. Um, some people take the clutch completely, the clutch lever completely off, and replace it with the rear brake. I have one of those. Actually, I have both the clutch lever and a brake lever up there on one of my bikes, and I never use it unless I jump off the motorcycle to the side where I'm not on the brake anymore. And sometimes even when I do that, I don't do it. I just basically throw the bike into the side of the hill and uh, hopefully it sticks. So um, that's kind of the disadvantage of the, of the recluse. And do I have them on my big bikes? No. Um, do I want them on my big bikes? Eh, maybe. Um, especially if I were riding in traffic, doing a lot of riding in traffic, I think it would be really good. But the problem is I do a lot of demonstrations on my big bikes. People are always, I go to do demos, riding instruction demos and I need to explain clutch use. So if I don't have a clutch on my bike, it's kind of hard to do, and I never know which one I'm gonna be using, so I haven't put it in one. And then most of the time when I'm riding my adventure bike, I'm not really doing something that's using the clutch that much, you know? And the way I teach and the way I think that a clutch should be used is the clutch is used as a power amplifier, not a power reducer. So. The only time I'm really on the clutch, because adventure bikes have so much power, is when I'm going slower than the gear I'm in. So I want to go five miles an hour in first gear. Well, you can't let the clutch out and do five miles an hour in first gear. The bike just wants to go too fast for that. So when I'm going slower than the gear I'm in, maybe I'm riding up to an obstacle and I need a big, big burst of power with some acceleration of the rear wheel. So I might be on the clutch in second gear and then there's third gear and then give it a boost of power to climb a hill or do something like that. So uh, in that in that sense, and with the new recluses, you can use the clutch to boost and amplify the power, uh, but it kind of depends on what you're looking for. So no, I don't have them on my bikes. Um, I've ridden them on uh, some other people's bikes. Uh, they work just fine, um, it, but not like, I mean, when I'm trail riding, when I'm really doing technical trails and stuff like that, I just, I love it. I'm a big fan. So, 
that's the uh, that's the recluse question. Hopefully, it answered your uh, your question there. And uh, the tacos are in. Tacos are here. Jeremy, see see the see the taco here. I'm not going to eat it. Well, I might maybe in a second, but again, no eating with your mouth. What tequila are you ordering next? Um, whatever new tequila George gets. I don't know what my uh, my last one was. We'll get the uh, Janie over here to give us the tequila the tequila of the week. What was the tequila of the week? She, she's coming over. Oh, she's answering the question online. Why don't you Why don't you Why don't you talk into the talk into the microphone here, Janie? I think I can even put you on the if this thing comes back alive. Yeah, you. Uh, this everybody. This is Janie. I'm gonna see if I can switch the camera over here. Maybe it actually. Let's see. It's got to reconnect. Oh, she's got a dirt bike, sir. So Janie is a. You can say it. You can say it. She rides Harleys, mostly. <laughs> so, uh, she, yeah. Okay, there we go. There's Janie. She's on. Yeah. The, she's on the live feed now. Okay. Hi okay. So this is Janie. Um, she is the bartender here at Ramiro's, <laughs> and uh, she's the one that uh, is going to tell us what tequila did I have? Why well, I, I cheated? I cheated on my tequila contest because I came in on Saturday and found out that they had new ones, three new ones. What were they? Uh, I. I stumped the bartender. <laughs> I only saw the bottles once. Yeah, but okay. He only liked one of them, but he has had all of the tequilas that we've had. So, and I think it was Troy Hicks asked what uh, tequila you're going to do next. Yep. So, the next one that George brings in here. <laughs> well, yeah, but do you want tequila tonight? Um, I can have one sampler no, or no, one No, just tequila? one, just one tequila. Okay. I'll have a Loma Azul. Okay. Silver Reposado. Reposado. Okay. That is that is currently one of my two favorites. Yes. Um, so yeah, if you're if you're if you're looking for one, that's a good one. Yeah, it is good. Okay. Now show them my shirt. Okay. Let's okay. see if you have to. Let's see if we can move the camera around here. Turn around to the back there. I think it's gonna. Oh, you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to stand up next to the guitar. Oh. Block the guitar. Oh, we lost connection here. Great. Oh man. <laughs> we'll see if it figures it out. We're back? Yep. Okay. Oh, okay. Connect. How Are you showing my shirt? I'm trying to. Okay. I'm doing the I'm a one man show here. And I'm working with the broken broken internets. Uh it's not respond my my phone is not responding anymore, so connect. Here we go. Well it says it's big. Okay, oh. we'll get we'll worry about her shirt. Her shirt says desert riding. But, oh, don't, because football, baseball, and golf only require one ball. <laughs> hey, some people only have one from motorcycle accidents, too, not me. Uh, let's see. Back onto the thing here. Uh, I saw another question here someplace. Discuss, discuss the difference between the uh, Honda 450X and the KTM EXEs. I will do that. Um, that's what I move on to next. So let's kind of go back and hey, I'm back. Um, the uh, so last week we had a few questions after the show on the um, the Honda 450X, and one of them was, and this will lead into the how they compared to KTM EXCs. How was the 2019 CR450X in the woods? Uh, luckily, I have, before it started snowing, I got a chance to take it up in our high altitude trails up in the woods and trees, and 
I will tell you this. That bike, no matter where you're riding it, is really good um, as long as you're not in first gear. Because when you're in first gear, uh, it gets a little bit heavy. And if I were riding in first gear, the more I were riding in first gear, the more I would look at a KTM EXE, either the 500 or the 350, and especially the 350 if you're in first gear type situations. So it's it fits right in between them as far as power goes. That's what you'd expect. But the, the biggest thing with the Honda is it has a more stable and kind of uh, planted uh, feel. Um, it's not as light and nimble as either of the KTMs. And I think the Honda for, um, you know, for most riders, it feels like uh, you're more kind of in the bike or kind of connected to it where the KTM you're more kind of on top of it and able to um, move around uh, on all, all of them you're really able to move around it just feels like on the KTM just a little bit more um, able to get disconnected from the bike uh, so if that uh, helps you the the other thing is the KTM is sold as a street bike so when you buy it it comes with street tires and it comes with the lights and blinkers and all the other stuff and a lot of that stuff is sort of meant to be taken off uh, in reality, but especially on the new ones, on the, next, the whole taillight assembly will fall off uh, pretty quickly. And that's uh, kind of, it's in that realm, it should be com uh, compared more to the, the uh, Honda 450L. Uh, Performance-wise, uh, like out of the box, the X runs a lot more like an EXC, where the the Honda L runs a lot more corked up, and they're and when I say you know corked up, we're comparing it to a motocross bike. But it's not like the old days where you have to do modifications that essentially um, to make it rideable. All these bikes, the way they're sold these days, um, the the Hondas and the KTM's are sold so you can just take them off the showroom floor and go ride them. Does that mean they're perfect? No. Does that mean there's some stuff that's really kind of it's I, I don't I don't understand it I mean I do understand it it's for sound everything they're doing is for sound and for emissions actually the emissions are real easy to meet it's well the emissions that come out of the tailpipe are real easy to meet the emissions when they put the bike into a hot room and heat it up to a certain temperature and it can't you know gas can't permeate you know out of the out of the sizes of the gas tank the the the, the vent hose has to go through a charcoal filter um, when you start the bike up, it has to suck all those bad f fuel, bad fumes and stuff into back into the intake track and attempt to burn them. Um, that's the kind of stuff that these guys are having to deal with. And we want a full-on race bike, but it has to carry all this emission stuff on it. And that's the, that's the challenge. That's what they're fighting with. Um, the noise is pretty difficult because you're dealing with small, tight packages. And in order to kill that sound, you've got to put mechanical dampers inside of the muffler. Um, you have to do interesting things inside of the intake track because no longer is the muffler the primary source of sound. The chain slapping on the chain guides is a big source of sound. Uh, the intake track, stuff, the noise that's coming out of the airbox. Look at the Honda. The, they have plastic covers with foam lining on them to keep the sound from you know, getting outside of that motor so that it you know, meets the standards and, and uh, they don't, nobody gets in trouble. So that's the... Uh, that's the kind of the differences between the bikes. Uh, I mean, suspension-wise, 
uh, the Honda has a stiffer nature. Um, the Honda has more of what I would call like a race-like setting, where the EXC is more of a trail-like trail setting. I would take the Honda on a motocross track before I would take the KTM uh, EXC on a motocross track, if that says anything. And I love the PDS suspension, so it's not, it's not the PDS suspension. And when I talk about KTMs, in a lot of ways, I'm talking about Huskies because they have very similar components and stuff as well. Um, let's see some of the other some of the other things. So the Honda is really good, like second through sixth gear, and the faster, the faster you go. Um, I'm sitting here going, if I were going to go down and race, like Baja or something like that, they're both they're both pretty good. I think the Honda would actually get the nod because the chassis is a little stiffer, it's a little more stable. I did ride the um, the. 450x on the course that the trophy trucks ran at king of the at the king of the hammers so they had the i'm sorry they were t1 trucks the t1 trucks ran basically a very baja like course that would have those big long drawn out whoops that were all torn out and that bike worked so good there that that you know you felt like that 450x was really at home and um I'd, I'd ridden my KTM on the same thing. Actually, I had my KTM 350 out there, and I rode it on the the same thing. And it just it wasn't as stable. Uh, it 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 definitely didn't. The 350 didn't have the same power when I really got it up and going. So, um, hopefully, that answers your question. And uh, we'll move on to the next one. Bad connection. The only way I could keep up was by oh, you're drinking tequila too. Good for you. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure why this connection is going bad. We tested it earlier today, but we're going to work on it, I promise. And you can watch the whole thing. Um, hopefully this comes back and then you can hear this. You can watch the whole thing. We'll post it up on the website. Uh, we'll edit it down. Maybe we'll even put some um, some uh, a riding action in it because we know how to do that now. Cheers. Mm. That is my favorite. I recognize that one. Let's see. Hoping to see aftermarket companies um, ramp up products for the Hondas. They're having a hard time uh, because it's really everything comes down to um, these bikes are designed so well as a package. So if you're going to change something like the muffler, you need to change something on the fuel side. It's just like when we used to, you know, you used to just slip a muffler on something. You had to change the jetting. Most of us knew how to get into a carburetor and change the jetting. Now you have to know how to program a computer in some way, shape, or form. Um, I've been real partial and, and had really good luck using the JD jetting stuff. I'm pretty sure that JD jetting is now selling um, fuel tuners if you're going to turn your bike into a closed-course competition machine. So if you're going down that, uh, that avenue, um, that's a good one to try. And we're completely out of connection. Is it? Are you guys running? You, can, you don't see anything. I don't. I don't see anything here. I see myself stalled out. Yeah. It says we're still recording on this. I'm live again. Good. So my computer's my computer's dead. <laughs> um. Why is someone asking about a two-wheel drive adventure, Bob? Do you know what I have in my garage? <laughs> How did you know that? <laughs> yes, I do have an all-wheel drive Christini KTM 1190 in my garage right now. Um, it's just a, it's a kind of a 
prototype project that we're working on, um, getting debugged and tuned up, and um, I can't talk about it. I just did. Uh, wraparound or flag style head guards. Some people are scared of breaking wrists in wraparounds. What do you think? I think they're needed on adventure bikes. I have wraparound hand guards on pretty much almost all of my personal bikes and just about every one of my rental bikes. Uh, we have, I've about 40 bikes, by the way. Um, the reason that I like them on there is for protecting the levers in case of a tip over. And yes, my rental bikes get tipped over quite a bit. So yeah, I don't know where the internets are going. Um, I have yet to, uh, and knock on wood, which is probably right here, right? A knock on wood. I've yet to see anybody stick their hand through. I've heard stories of it, but I think it's kind of like it's one of those things that you hear kinds of stories about, just like, you know, all KTMs breaking and blowing up because they're KTMs or, you know, um, every Honda valve is going to wear out in 150 miles and you need to adjust them every two weeks, uh, that kind of stuff. You know, you hear it on the Internet and before you used to hear the story, the lore about that one guy who did, you know, slip his hand off the handlebar and stick him through. I... I don't see it that much, um, and uh, it's not a it's it doesn't it doesn't really worry or concern me. Yeah, when you look at it, you think it could happen, but think about how many times you've actually had your hand come off, go in front of the handlebar, and down in through uh, that area. And my hands have a hard time hanging on to handlebars anymore, and it doesn't happen to me. So, not a not an issue. Uh, maybe yeah. Let's see, diet PBR PBR or hams. You're talking about PBR easy, yeah, um, yeah. Where's my PBR sponsorship? That 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 kind of went by the wayside. <laughs> I was supposed to get a a case of PBR, no, a pallet. My deal for driving the hammers was a pallet of PBR, and um, that didn't happen. So, uh, yeah, probably back to the hams. Uh, and let's see, springs on fastway put foot pegs too soft. Any alternatives? You know, um, I had that on early ones. Uh, I had the same had the same issue, and I know they had some upgraded ones. So if it's been a little while since you've um, had those pegs, uh, give give them a call down there. Talk to Cole down there. I'm sure he would take care of you and fix you up if that is actually an issue. I, I actually think in the beginning they were having uh, they were in the very early. I remember when we very first started testing those. They had some problems with them breaking, and so they might have gone to a softer one that was, but minor, minor good now. Um, I don't have an issue, but I do remember that being an issue. And I'm going to try to get my thing. I've completely lost every connection I have. Now I'm flying on, yeah, I'm flying on, uh, yeah, how many? Fifth, fifth, really? I've been babbling for that long. Great. Uh, let's see, we're going to cut it in an hour. Anyways, um, I'm running down my list. Let's see. Uh, also, somebody wanted to know how I compare the uh, Honda 450X to a Beta 350 or KTM 350. I have not ridden a Beta 350 for a couple years. Um, generally, um, Beta takes a little bit of weight um, feeling out of their bikes every year or two. They do some stuff little small chassis changes. That bike has remained largely unchanged. Bait is a very conservative company. They make small changes um, kind of slowly. They want to make sure they work. And so I would bet that they're still 15 or so pounds 
minimum heavier than than the uh, KTM, which puts it right where the Honda is. Uh, being a 350, uh, less spinning stuff, so for sure it's going to feel a little bit less. Having less power, that makes it feel a little bit lighter. So, uh, And they get pretty good power out of there. You know what would be an even better comparison is that Beta, I think they call it a 399 or a 400. That would that would probably be more along the lines of what the what the Honda is like. Um, uh, but... Uh, and, and they're, they're also kind of, it depends on which form you get the beta. The beta, some of them are sold as competition, some of them are sold as green sticker style bikes, so that would uh, make a small change as well. Okay, you're working down the questions. Let's see, why won't you officially join Baki Racing? Jerry's been stalking for years. I never want to be a member of a club that would have me, so... Um, I just run the stickers because I think they look cool. Uh, do you think Trevor Hunter will get any taller than his current 5'4"? Um, uh, Trevor, not really sure. Um, his dad's a little bit bigger, so he might might grow a little bit. Uh, don't know. Can't, can't comment on that. I'm not a doctor. Um, Trevor's currently recovering from a little broken wrist, so... Uh, Dirt bike test is kind of down to almost a one-man show as far as uh, test riders go. Oh, you want to be a test rider, don't you? <laughs> yep, send me. You want to know what you have to do to be a test rider? Here's what you have to do. Find a product that you like, something you're familiar with that you know, and then go on dirt bike test and look at what a product test is, and then write me a test in our format of something you're familiar with. And then while you're at it, shoot a few photos of that thing that you think look good, that we would actually put on the site and then send all that to me in an email and then we'll then we'll talk then we can start talking about the test riding schedule that we can put you on all the new bikes you get to go ride kind of like tomorrow i get to go ride the new yamaha wr all day long so uh okay the fish bat fish bapping that has nothing to do with dirt bike test and we rode quads mark you know what that makes you you know, if you ride quads, you know what they say about that? You have four wheels. Yeah. Yeah, you have four wheels. <laughs> so, um, let's see. For the average rider out there, stock or modified suspension if you fit the target weight? Oh, that's another good one. So, uh, on my KTM 1090s, stock suspension. Stock springs, even in the front. And uh, people say all the time, why? And I'm like, because it's fine. And, and here's my other thing on adventure bikes, and we're going to kind of end on this note. We'll, we'll drop out after this. Is So adventure bikes are not motocross bikes. They're not competition bikes. They're meant to take you out riding over long distances. And pretty much anything over 650 cc's is an adventure bike. Um, you know, the XR650 was probably the last real sort of, you know, aggressive big bike. So, yes, I'm talking about your KTM 7690s and all that stuff like that. They're not built to be bottomed out. Your KTM, even your KTM is not built to, your 1090, your 1190, your 1290, not built to be bottomed out. Um, BMWs, Triumphs, not built to be bottomed out. And how do I know this? Because I felt them bottom out before. And then some of the bikes that I have bottomed out, I've taken apart and the shock bolts are bent. And so if you get better suspension, you're still gonna bend shock bolts. And if you manage to increase that stuff, 
you're going to break frames, bend rims, break swing arms. You've seen the pictures on the internet. That's what happens when guys try to do what they see in the marketing brochures by those professional riders on closed courses and uh, don't do this at home, all that stuff. Um, but they try to do it, and they break things. So if you're bottoming out your suspension on your adventure bike, you're doing one thing. You're riding it too fast. And I talk about this in my school. I kind of preach this to guys, and then they come back and they say, so what can I do to my suspension? I mean, you can do whatever you want to it. But they're really good. They're comfortable. They're compliant. Um, they have pretty good um, – Pretty good. they're getting better. I mean, just in the last five years, it's gotten a lot better. Just even KTM going from the standard shock to the PDS shock on the 1090 shows – the kind of they're they're like hey we got to make this work better and what they're doing is they're getting better control of the stroke um better bottoming control slowing it down but when i bottom my bike out i'm riding it too fast i'm gonna break something i'm gonna crash so i don't ride it like that uh i post pictures every once in a while of the bike in the air but i promise you it's a smooth landing and i've i've actually gone out with some instagram influencers and stuff that that they're like, hey Jimmy, can you can you can you do this? Can you do that? And I'm like, yeah. And I just I said, pay real close attention because I'd seen pictures they had posted before of guys doing that. And when they did what I did, they crashed and broke things. And I said, notice the bike isn't bottoming out. I mean, I can make it bottom out. I know what it feels like when it bottoms out, and I can look at a bump when I'm coming up to you, and I go, that's going to bottom it out. I'm going to slow down before I hit that. Or if I'm going to jump that, I'm going to find the landing. It's kind of that's the way it is. So. That's my uh, that's my ten cents on uh, suspension and stock suspension. I think for average weight riders and stuff, the manufacturers do a really good job of giving you a good good compliant package that's designed to do what the bike is designed to do, and that goes for that goes for the KTM EXCs. That's the Honda X. That's all the motocross bikes we ride these days. And and I know everybody. The first thing they do after they put the muffler on, another thing, right? They put the muffler on. They send the suspension off to get it valved, and I'm blown away by how much brand-new, never-used suspension I see at some of these suspension shops. I mean, good for, you know, <laughs> good for those guys. I mean, they're doing business and stuff. But if I have one bit of advice, if you're going to send your suspension into somebody to have it worked on and stuff, and it's a brand-new bike, ride it for 20 hours. Put some time on it. Use that stock oil to break it in so that you don't get it valved and then it has to break in. Then you need to have it serviced right away again. Because um, serving servicing your suspension is probably one of the best things you can do. Um, have it serviced, you know, especially stuff that can be rebuilt um, by a good quality um, suspension shop, because it will change the way it works. Uh, it and and then you have a base as consistent. You're using the same oil you're going to be using, and the bite, you know, the stuff that if there's any contaminants in there, they're taken out once they rebuild it. Um, and speaking of that, I need to get my KTM 1090 suspension serviced right now. So on that note, um, I want to thank you for, uh, for joining in. Uh, if you have any questions, um, any other stuff, uh, leave them in the, uh, in the comments on this post. And then over on Dirt Bike Test, when we post the, uh, the uh, choppy Facebook feed up as well as, which will go up live uh, first thing tomorrow, then I'll edit down the... The other one, we'll put it up on YouTube. You can uh, ask comments on YouTube. Maybe we'll revisit next week. If you have suggestions for the next things that we're going to talk about, let us know. And if you want to sponsor this podcast, uh, reach out to me. Got, uh, got this space right here on the guitar. So thanks for joining. We'll catch you in the near future. We'll see you out on the trail. Ciao.